0: Welcome and thank you for listening to the Okuo Church podcast. We exist so that people will be in community with Jesus and one another. We'll do that by listening to God, loving people, leading by empowering others, and linking to our community. We hope you enjoy it.
1: Well hey y'all, I am so excited that you have chosen to join us today as we conclude our Who Am I series. Now, throughout this series, we have been discovering what our unique identity in Christ is. And so if you happen to miss the last several weeks, I encourage you to go check those out because understanding your identity in Christ is something that can absolutely change your life. Now, over the last two weeks, we've used a formula um, to talk about our identities. And this formula that the world gives us is this. It's that what I do determines who I am. So if I'm a good, if I do good things, I must be a good person. If I do bad things, I must be a bad person. If I make enough money, I must be a successful person and so on and so forth. But what we have discovered is that if we are believers in Jesus, if we are followers of Christ, if we are in Christ, this formula just isn't true for us because what I do does not determine who I am. I am not, de- I am not defined by what I do. Rather, I am defined by the love of my savior. And so that's what we have been learning together. And so right now over the last, uh, right now I want us to say some affirmations together. We've been doing this throughout this series and that's where I want us to start today. And so let's look at these together. The first is this, say these with me at home or you can think them in your head or do whatever is gonna help you remember these the best. And so here, let's go through these together. I have been made new. I am complete in Christ. I am free from condemnation. I cannot be separated from the love of God. And so today, as we conclude our journey of understanding who we are in Christ, we are gonna answer a question that probably many of us have had before, especially if we're kind of new to discovering our identity in Christ. And that question is, what does it look like to live out of my identity in Christ? So anyone that uh, knows me well knows that I am kind of an all-in kind of person. There's not a lot that I do halfway. Like, let's see, when I was around six years old, I joined my first team sport. I was on a t-ball team. And for that season, let me tell you guys, I was a baseball player. All right, eye black under my eyes. I picked up a pretty serious sunflower seed and bubblegum problem like I was a baseball player. In that same season, I was really into the Power Rangers. Like if they had let me wear my Power Ranger costume on the baseball field, I absolutely would have. I lived my life as a Power Ranger for a little bit longer than I'd like to admit. When I was kind of just right before middle school, I started playing guitar. And let me tell you, I carried my guitar everywhere with me like I was that guy I don't do a whole lot half way and what's interesting is um, when we ask the question what does it look like to live out of my identity it's important that we recognize that we do in a way or rather we live out of who we believe that we are i had had lots of silly examples from when I was young where I would jump in, kind of I would go all in on an identity that I believed I had at any given moment. But the first time I really felt this kind of hit me hard was when I was in high school. I think that's when I experienced my first identity crisis. And so I grew up a military brat. Um, My family moved every few years throughout my childhood. And so when you're a military brat, you get pretty good At adapting because there's not a whole lot you get to take with you when you move like your stuff comes with you your family comes with you but you can't bring your friends with you you can't bring your social status with you there's so much you can't bring with you and especially in the era before social media and being able to stay in contact with people it felt like you were starting over every few years and so when I was 15 years old, I moved from Ramstein, Germany, to here in San Antonio, Texas. And I went to O'Connor High School in Holotus. And so um, when I moved to San Antonio, like I said, there wasn't anything I could bring with me. My social status, or lack thereof, didn't come with me. Um, my friends couldn't come with me. But what I could bring with me was my running. I had run uh, cross country and track all through middle school and high school. And I was kind of at the top of my age group in several events. And so when I moved to San Antonio, I hit the ground running, literally. The first thing I did was join O'Connor's cross country team when I got here to San Antonio. And y'all, I worked my butt out. I lived out of my identity as a runner. I would work out multiple times a day and that work started to pay off. I was doing pretty well on the cross country team. But one day I started to feel a pain in my leg. It was kind of on the outside of my leg, on my right leg, and uh, I kind of ignored it at first, but it started to get worse. I even had it looked at. They said, ah, it's probably fine. You know, you can run through it. And so I continued to run through this pain day after day, often multiple times a day, and it continued to get worse and worse. But I was living in such a severe way out of my identity that I wouldn't stop, even when something was obviously wrong. And so what had happened was, really long story short, I had developed a stress fracture in my fibula, the smaller outside bone in your lower leg. And this stress fracture, because I continued to run on it for days, weeks, months after it began, it actually ultimately ended up breaking all the way through. And so I did the rehab thing, I did the, I I, I wore the cast, I did the crutches, I did all the right things. And I got myself back into shape to come back in the spring for track season. And so I was in it again, working out multiple times a day. I was doing really well. I was starting to get some good places on the track team when I started to experience that same pain in my leg again. And I broke it again. I did everything all over again, the crutches, the cast, the rehab, to come back the following cross-country season, where my leg broke again. It was at this point that my parents and my doctors said, you're done. You're not doing this to yourself anymore. I would lived so severely out of my identity as a runner that I had run myself broken three times. You know, maybe your story, you don't have this kind of severe example of you literally running yourself broken, but I'll tell you what, we have all run ourselves broken in one way or another while trying to live out of our unique identities or who we believe we are. All right, maybe you're a student and you do great work, all right, you, you work so hard to make good grades and to live up to who you believe you are, but that grind is just exhausting you and you're about to break down trying to maintain who it is that you believe you are, all right? You're a parent, you are a great parent. You work so hard to make sure that your kids have exactly what they need, but you're running yourself broken, All right, and work, you're working 80 hours a week trying to get that next uh, promotion, trying to climb that corporate ladder, but you are running yourself, broken. You're a young adult trying to figure out your place in the world, trying to figure out how to meet society's deadlines for the spouse, the house, the 401k, trying to put all of those pieces together and you are running yourself, broken. And maybe if you're not like a grind kind of person, I've also seen people sit themselves broken, kind of lost in their complacency in their stagnancy. We have all taken our identities to unhealthy places at one point or another. We have all lived out of who we believe we are. We have all run ourselves broken. And so today, we are gonna look like, we're gonna look at what it looks like to live out of our identity in Christ and what that has to do with running ourselves broken. And so the Apostle Paul was a great friend and pastor and mentor to some of the first followers of Jesus. And so today we're gonna be looking at a letter that he wrote to followers of Jesus in a region called Galatia, which is in modern day Turkey. Now, Paul spends a huge part of his letter explaining how someone is in Christ. He spends a ton of time learning what we've been learning, or teaching them what we've been learning over the last couple of weeks. And this is the foundation that we're going to start from today. All right, he taught them that uh, their identity comes not from following the law, all right, not from our own actions or our own efforts, but by faith alone in who we are in Christ. Because what I do does not determine who I am. My identity in Christ comes from who he is and what he's done for me, not what I can do. So this is the foundation that Paul gives before he's gonna answer this question that we are asking today. What does it look like to live out of my identity in Christ? So we're gonna jump into Galatians 5.13. It says, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. So let's break this down. Let's look at this first part. You have been called to live in freedom. All right, this is such a fantastic place to start. All right, what is the freedom that Paul is talking about here? We have to remember that Paul has just finished uh, laying out the fact that we are in Christ because we have believed in Jesus. Not because of what we do or what we don't do. Not because we follow the rules or we're the best at anything. No, because of our faith in Jesus. Why do you have freedom? Because you are in Christ. So how do you live out of that freedom? Let's look at the next part of this verse says, don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. All right, our sinful nature is our natural bend toward sin. All right, so my very first car was a 1994 Ford Explorer, and it was about 10 years old when I got it. It was a great car. It got me from exactly where I needed to go, except there was one kind of key thing wrong with it. That car had an aggressive pull to the left, Left to its own devices, that car was going to turn left all day, every day. Now, mind you, this was probably my fault because I hit a lot of curbs. But nonetheless, this car really wanted to pull to the left. And this is what our sin nature is like, all right? It's a natural pull towards sin. But our freedom in Christ is the steering wheel. The pull still exists. However, we don't have to let it. Look at the next part of this verse. It says, instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. All right, so how should we use our freedom? To serve one another in love. All right, notice that there is a do and a don't in this verse. Don't use your freedom to satisfy your sin nature. Do use your freedom to serve one another in love. All right, I got it, okay, cool, Sherry. Like, do use it, do use it to, uh, to serve one another in love. Don't use it to satisfy my sin nature, cool. But if there is a strong pull towards sin in my life and I truly want to live out of my identity in Christ, how do I do that? And so let's look at the next part of this. Paul tells us just a few verses down. This is Galatians 5, 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. All right, so what is the Holy Spirit? Because sometimes this is language we hear kind of used in church, but maybe no one's ever defined it for you. All right, so let's talk about that for just a moment. All right, the Holy Spirit is God active in our world. All right, we each receive the Holy Spirit when we believe in Jesus, when we are in Christ. Let's look really quickly about what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. This is uh, written by, this verse is written by John, who was an eyewitness to the life of Jesus. And this is what it says, John 14, 16. All right, Jesus said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. All right, but because we have received the Holy Spirit, Paul calls us to let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. That's the next part of this verse. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. All right, so what does that mean? Notice it says let, right? Like allow the Spirit to do this. Because when the Spirit comes into our lives, when we've believed in Jesus, we don't just go into, into Holy Spirit autopilot. That's not how it works. And so here when it says to let the Spirit guide our lives, we have to understand that we have a choice. Freedom at its core will always require a choice. And so this is the way I want us to think about how the Holy Spirit guides our life for just a minute. All right, think about the GPS on your phone. All right, if we get down to the nitty gritty, let's all get real for a second. We all think we know better than the GPS on our phone. Some of us more than others, but at one point or another we've probably all thought we knew better than the GPS on our phone. But let's think about this just kind of for a moment. Let's pretend like you're somewhere you've never been before. And the GPS on your phone in fact does know better than you do. All right, it knows where the streets are that you've never driven on before. It knows the light patterns, it knows the traffic patterns, understands all of this, knows routes you don't know. All right, this is what the Spirit does in our life. It can help us navigate our lives. All right, he shows us what's best for us. But whether or not you follow that guidance, that's your call, that's your choice. Freedom at its core always requires a choice and you have freedom in Christ. And so Paul's directions here are to let the Holy Spirit guide your life. If I can stretch this analogy just a little bit further, I think there's something really cool that we can see here. Because another way that the Holy Spirit is like our phone's GPS is this. When we go off route, our GPS goes with it. Our GPS doesn't guide us from where we're supposed to be. Our GPS guides us from exactly where we are. And this is how the Holy Spirit acts in our lives. So often when we go off-root, it's easy to believe that the Spirit isn't there with us. It's easy for us to believe that we need to kind of get ourselves back on track, which isn't inaccurate, but the Holy Spirit goes where you go. The Holy Spirit is ready and willing to act in your life exactly where you are, even when we go off-root. And so let's look at the next part of this verse right here. It says, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. All right, so if letting the Holy Spirit guides our, guide our lives is a choice, why should we choose to let him? Being guided by the Spirit and doing what our sinful nature craves are opposite of one another. And so what does our sinful nature crave? We're going to look at Galatians Galatians 5.19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. You know, sometimes we'll read a piece of scripture and it kind of leaves us scratching our head, having to think like, gosh, I wonder what on earth that means. This is not one of those verses. Paul doesn't spare any ink kind of giving us clarity about, uh, about what it is that it looks like in our lives when our sinful nature takes over, when we try to meet our needs independently of God. Remember, sin at its core is us trying to meet our legitimate needs independently of God. Satan's ploy in our lives and in our world will always be to try to get us to act independently of God. And so all of these things I've just listed and that that Paul lists, right, Uh, sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, and on and on. All of these things are things that will absolutely run you broken. They have maybe even run you broken already in your lives, will run your family broken, will run the people that you love broken, we talked about this last week, if you are in Christ, if you have believed in Jesus, that is where your true identity lies. But if you are still living out of these things, if you find yourself continuing to return to these toxic addictions and anger and sin, if you continue to find yourself find yourself returning to things that are harmful to you and the people that you love, you do not have a sin problem, you have an identity problem. We will always live out of who we believe we are. Who do you believe that you are? And so let's look here at the next verse, all right? If this is what choosing our sinful nature produces in our lives, then what does the Spirit produce in our lives? Let's look at Galatians 5, 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. All right, fruit of our sinful nature are destructive actions. We've just looked at those extensively, destructive actions in our lives that hurt ourselves and the people around us. But the fruit of the spirit are inner character qualities that cause us to thrive in life. And so these are the complete opposite of what we've just looked at. This is what the Holy Spirit can bring out of our lives. Let's go through a couple of these together really quick. Let's start with love, because love encompasses all of these values put together. Elsewhere in scripture, this is how Paul talks about love. This is in his letter to the Corinthians. He teaches us that love is patient and it is kind. It does not envy or boast. It is not prideful or rude. It does not demand its own way. You've probably heard this this verse read at weddings. And it's really easy to talk about love on days like weddings, on days when love is easy. But the love that Paul is talking about here, the love that the Spirit can produce in our lives, doesn't just happen on the days when love is easy. It also happens on the days when love is difficult. And I don't know about you, but I'm not very good at loving on the days where love is difficult all on my own. No, it's the Spirit that can produce love on my, love in my life, even in the most difficult of moments. That is what the Spirit can produce in our lives. Let's look at these next ones. Joy, peace, and patience. Y'all, outside of sitting on a beach somewhere with a drink in my hand, like I am not good at producing joy, peace, and patience in my own life. Like I don't even have the patience to tell you how impatient I am, all right? These actions in my life, if I'm manufacturing them myself, if I'm trying to manufacture joy, peace, and patience, it is always going to be dependent on my circumstances. However, the joy, peace, and patience that the Spirit produces in our lives is not dependent on our circumstances. They're dependent on the Spirit who will always be consistent in our lives. Let's look at the next one, kindness and goodness. All right, the word good just does not get enough credit. When I think about the word good, often I think about kind of the checkbox that's right next, right below excellent when I like take a survey, all right? But good will always be so much greater than excellent because good is the absence of anything bad. Good is the absence of anything evil. Good is the absence of anything, anything wrong, anything tarnished, anything spoiled. There is nothing better than good. And this is what the Spirit can produce in our lives. It can produce goodness in our lives. Last part, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are steadfast characteristics that even the most disciplined of us cannot produce on our most difficult days. All of these fruits of the Spirit, when we try to manufacture them ourselves, they will always be dependent on our circumstances. They will always be dependent on our mood. They will always be dependent on what's going on in the world around us. However, these fruits, when the Spirit produces them in our lives, are not dependent on our circumstances. All right, these are not the results, these fruits that only the Holy Spirit can produce in our lives. These are not the, rev- these are not the results of us giving into our sin nature. These are not the results of us running ourselves broken. You need to hear that. These are not the results of our effort or running ourselves broken. All right, the, the results of our own um, good intentions. All right? Our good intentions cannot even manufacture these fruits of the Spirit. No, only the Spirit can produce these fruits in our lives. Good, bad and ugly, no matter how hard we try, we can't do this on our own. It's the Holy Spirit who does this in our lives and when you and I, when we live out of our identity in Christ, these fruits will appear. When we live out of our identity in Christ, these fruits will appear in our lives, not because of what we can do, but because of what the Spirit can do in us when we are living out of our identity in Christ. Right? I don't know about you, but I want these fruits in my life. No, I need these fruits in my life, and I want these fruits for the people that I love. Shoot, I want these for the, for the people that I, that I struggle to love. I want these fruits in my life. So how do I do this? Jesus says it this way. This is uh, John 15, five. He says, yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Let's look at the first part of this verse. It says, those who abide in me and I in them will produce much fruit. All right, this word abide is so very important. This word abide means to stay, to remain. All right, notice that Jesus doesn't say, go and produce fruit, go hustle and make it happen, go run yourself broken, go check all of the boxes, go follow all of the rules. No, he calls us to abide in him. We're called to stay. We're called to Remain. And that means standing out of our identity in Christ. This is who you are in Christ. In Christ, you have been made new. In Christ, you are a saint. In Christ, you are complete. In Christ, you are united with the Lord. In Christ, you are God's child. In Christ, you are Christ's friend. In Christ, you have been redeemed and forgiven of all of your sins. In Christ, you are free from condemnation. In Christ, you cannot be separated from the love of God. In Christ, you can find grace and mercy in your time of need. And it's out of this identity that the Spirit can produce fruit in our lives you're not called to go you're called to abide let's look in the next part of this verse for apart from me you can do nothing all right y'all i am certainly not trying to suggest and i don't think uh, that jesus is trying to suggest that we should go out into the world and go well you know i can't produce love i can't produce joy i can't produce peace so forget about it No, let me tell you, if you went and you wrote these fruits of the Spirit down on your hand and you walked around the world trying to live out of that, your life would be better for it. You would get better at loving people. You would get better at loving yourself. I mean, these are all good things. But what we can do is only a fraction of what the Spirit can do in our lives. We're not called to go. We're called to abide. We're called to remain. We're called to Stay in our identity in Christ. In Christ, our identity is not what we can do, but what he has already done for us. As hard as we may try, what we can do for ourselves, what we can do running ourselves broken, can and will never be even a drop in the bucket next to what Jesus has already done for us. And abiding in him and who he is is where we will produce fruit in our lives. This last part of this verse, apart from me, you can do nothing. And so I have a question for you. Are love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in your life Are these fruits of the Spirit showing up in your life? The solution isn't running yourself broken. The solution isn't trying to check all of these boxes. The solution isn't you kind of going pedal to the metal and making it happen. You know, hey, I'll try harder and tomorrow will be better. No, we're called to abide. We're called to remain. We're called to stay and to stand in our identity in Christ, running yourself broken cannot accomplish what Jesus has already done. And so here's what I want us to do today. I want us to learn to abide It's kind of weird having an action step that's stay, remain, don't move, don't go. But here's the thing, is so often in our lives, we try to outpace the spirit in a lot of ways. We try to check all the boxes. We try to make everything happen. We try to run ourselves broken in our spiritual life and that's where we end up in legalism. That's where we end up in believing that following the rules can do more for us than what Jesus has already done for us. No, you're called to abide. And so that's what we're going to do today. And so that starts with continuing to learn who you are in Christ. Because when we learn to recognize who we are in Christ, we can stand out of that identity. Remember, what you do does not determine who you are, but who you believe you are will determine what you do. You have to continue to learn and to grow who you are in Christ. You have to learn to believe that What you do do can't determine who you are, but what you do is a direct reflection of who you believe that you are. Who do you believe that you are? Stand out of that identity in Christ. The second thing that I want you to do is I want you to tangibly start learning more about who Jesus is. Where I always suggest people start is in the book of John. I said this earlier, but John was an eyewitness to the life of Jesus. He shares with us at the end of his gospel that he writes everything that he writes so that we, the readers, may come to believe what he believed by seeing it with his own eyes. And so that's where I recommend that you start. Begin to understand and learn more about who Jesus is so you can stand out of your identity of who you are in him. And the last thing I want you to do Is I want you to worship. Worship, we so often just think about like it's just singing songs, but really, when we truly worship, worship helps us to get like a correct view of God. It helps us, it's like we sing these truths about who God is, and it helps us to kind of put those on our hearts, to write those on our hearts. There's something special about worship when it comes to understanding who we are in Christ because worship can help us understand who God is in the same breath. And so I encourage you to worship, All right, Whether it's jumping on and going and checking out uh, like worship sets that you can see here, whether it's getting on YouTube and looking up your favorite artists, whether it's going to a worship service, whatever it is, there's something special about worship that helps us abide. Because it's only in abiding that we will see these fruits of the spirit in our lives. Running yourself broken cannot get get you there. Worship will help you abide. And so right now, we've been reading affirmations together throughout our series and our time together, and so I want us to end today doing this exact same thing. And so if you'll look at these and if you'll read these with me. I am united to the Lord and in one spirit with him. I have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. I am a branch of the true vine. I have been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. I am a child of light and not of darkness. And so right now, I want us to pray together. You know, if we're people of action, if we're people that are about the grind, if we're people that are about checking those boxes, hearing that we're meant to sit and to stay, to remain, to abide can be weirdly more intimidating than if you told us to go and do work. And so right now, we're gonna pray that God would teach us that stillness, And that he would show us exactly what it looks like to abide because it's when we abide that we will start to see these fruits in our lives. And these fruits in our lives is what it truly looks like to live out of our identity in Christ. And so will you pray with me? So God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that you aren't a God who gets into the like isn't doesn't force us to check the boxes, doesn't force us to do everything perfectly, doesn't call us to go and and meet all of these impossible standards, Father. No, you call us to abide. You gift us the spirit that can help us produce these fruits in our lives, God. And I just thank you for that, for your grace and for your mercy and for your provision that you have given us in the spirit, God. And so right now, I pray that you. We just impress on each of us individually what it looks like to abide. What it looks like to seek you, God. What it looks like to remain in you, to stay in you, because it's only in abiding that we can live out these fruits of the Spirit. It's only in abiding that we can live and work out of our identity in you. God, help us to remind ourselves. That running ourselves broken can never achieve what the spirit can achieve in our lives, can never achieve what the spirit wants to achieve in our lives, God. Jesus, it's in your name that we pray, amen.
0: All right, well all y'all join me in giving it up for Sherry. If you're watching live online, be sure and let her know how much you have appreciated uh, the time that she has given to us over the last three weeks. So just thank you, thank you, thank you, Sherry, for your messages over these last three weeks. They have helped us uh, understand who we are in ways that a lot of us didn't, or helped us remember ways of who we are in Jesus better than we ever have before. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for doing all that. Now before we go, there are a few things that I I just wanna connect with you about. The first thing I wanna talk about is something that I'm gonna be talking about for for the last few weeks, and I'm gonna be talking about for the next few weeks as well. Uh, When you are in your community, I want you to be thinking about how you can be linking to it, how you can be finding people that could use some help, that could use some love. And so what I want you to do is is think about the things that God has made you passionate about. Think about the, the groups of people that you are passionate about and look at them in their community and figure out how you can link to them. And so, you know, I want you to see where that need might be. I want you to lean into that passion. Then I want you to just run at it in the best way possible. From there, what I want you to do is tell us what you're doing. And then what we can do, the Akuo community can go and help you love your community. It could be with resources. We could just help you write a check to to buy the supplies for the things that you're looking to do. It could be with people. We could have a bunch of Akuo community people show up to help you out. I'm not sure what it's going to be, but whatever it is, I want you to reach out to us when you find it. To do that, you can email me directly at humpy.cervera at akuo.church. Now, I'm looking forward to hearing how you will be linking to your community and how we can help you serve people there. Now, the next thing I like to do is talk about the ways that we can be sacrificially generous here at Akuo. Now, I don't care how you're going to do it, right? I I don't care uh, the the amount or the percentage or whatever whatever it is. I just want you to listen to God to see how much he wants you to be giving. Now, if you aren't sure where to start, one of the many ways that you can express your generosity here at Akuo is through the biblical method of generosity called tithing, which means giving a first fruit, 10% offering in the storehouse, which is your local church. Now, that could be the place where you start. But remember, I want you to be talking about God with this. I want you to be asking him where you should be giving, what you shouldn't be giving. Now, that might not be a possibility for you right now, and I totally understand that. Things might be really tough for you and your family. I get it, gas prices are going nuts. Everything is more expensive. And if that's you, if you need some help right now, I need you to let us know. We wanna be linked to you during your tough time. So if you need anything at all, please reach out to us. Or if you know someone that needs some help, let us know. To do that, all you have to do is go to our website akuo.church and click on the contact us link. We can also send us an email to help at akuo.church or you can call or text the church at 210-901-8785. Now if you are willing and able to give here to Akuo Church, there are a few ways that you can do that. The first practical way that you can do that is by going to our website akuo.church. Now when you get there, all you have to do is click on the giving link and follow the instructions. We also have our text to give option. For that, all you have to do is text AKUO, A-K-O-U-O, and the dollar amount you wanna give to the number 77977. Now, if you don't wanna give electronically, we also have our PO Box available if you would like to send your gift through a check. For that, all you have to do is mail that check to AKUO at PO Box 100-125, San Antonio, Texas 78201. All right, guys, that's all that I have for you today. I just want you to know that I love each and every one of you and I will be praying for you all week long. Our team will be praying for you all week long and I want to encourage you to be praying for our Akuo community all week long in addition to your greater community every single day. Now before we go, let me pray for you one last time. So Jesus, I I thank you for today. I thank you for the way that you have been revealing yourself to us and really I I thank you for the way that you have been revealing how you view us. Thank you for that. I pray that as every single person leaves this place, goes away from this message, that they would remember the words you've been speaking to them. And I pray that you'd help them remember who they are so they can live their lives through that. Thank you for everything, Jesus. We love you. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, that's all that we have for you this week. We will see you next time.